That's right, the buses have left, the halls are quiet, but we're back for some sweet bonus content in the after-school special of 80s High. Ben, think of this not as detention, but as your favorite social club with all of your besties. How's it going? Uh, you know, I really like how you set that up. I feel so much better that this is just like getting to hang out. I, just, I was like a theater kid in high school, so like I had a lot of after-school rehearsals, and that, that feels a lot better than... Detention, because detention was not an awesome experience. Were you were you ever in detention, Chris? I did get a detention a few times. Did you really? Uh I did. Can you, can it was for being a little uh being a little salty, being a little salty in class and uh you mouthed I had to off write to a these. teacher? Yeah, kind of. It was my yeah. seventh grade history teacher who was by all accounts a very strange dude. Um, I can't remember what I did, but he used to like, he'd put up a finger and say, you've made a bad decision. And then I think if you got two or three, then you had to stay after class and write, he would have like these three line sentences about, I will be a blah, blah, blah. But it was like three lines of text and you had to write it however many times it was. It's a very like Bart Simpson intro. Very Bart Simpson. Yeah. Less comical. Uh, than Bart Simpson, <laughs> you know, because those are always fun to watch. And yeah. I remember being this so mad fun. at him where I was like, oh, yeah, calm down, dude. But yeah, Mr. Williams, seventh grade. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I was in drumline in high school and we were at a competition and my buddy and I were trying to practice spinning rifles, you know, like winter guard, you'd spin mm-hmm. like flags and rifles and stuff. And sure. uh, we were surprisingly great at getting them really high and we knocked the drop ceiling out of this high, this classroom that we were practicing in oh my and we got detention for, for breaking another high school ceiling also not like a super awesome thing it's not like we put the principal's car on the roof of the school like we were spinning rifles and drum line anyway right welcome right. to our second <laughs> and hopefully not last after school special sometimes the topics that we get into there's just so much good stuff to talk about that we just can't fit it into a time period that's respectful of your time. We know you've got other stuff to do instead of just listening to 80s High Podcasts. So we got to break it out. And, and in our interview that we had with Darren McBee, Mr. Malibu from American Gladiators, we got into a lot about his career well beyond the show that we all originally know him for, Kicking Butt on American Gladiators. And his, his stories are so good, are so genuine uh, we can't just leave him on the cutting room floor. So we wanted to give you this extra special uh, so you can share his adventures around the world. So what do you say, Ben? Do you want to jump right into him? Let's totally get into it. So the first story that he told uh, was really interesting. So, of course, like Malibu, the character, very iconic. And Darren was in the shape of his life, uh, just super well built. And he's out and around in the town. And so, of course, Malibu, the character, had lots of fans and sometimes fandom can be fun, celebrity can be great and exciting, gets you a lot of perks. But some fans have trouble separating Malibu, the character, from Darren McBee, the real human being who's just trying to live his life. And so Darren told us what his wide variety of fans were like and how they treated him while the show was going on. 
Yeah, and in the show itself, he does talk about the the guy who challenges him to a duel, basically. But this one goes well beyond that. And his response to what happened, we thought, was just really something we wanted to note and highlight. So let's listen to that now. Um, I was getting letter after letter from this uh, person named Joanny, or Joanna. And after about 12 of these letters professing her undying love for me, I started getting a curiosity, so I sent back a, a letter through Samuel Golden Company just saying, okay, so you send me pictures. And I always looked at the handwriting and thought it was kind of weird handwriting for a girl. Anyways, I get, I don't know, 25 pictures back. And the pictures is one really cute girl standing next to this kind of gangly looking tall guy. And I flipped the page and there's another picture of a different girl with the same gangly tall guy. And all of a sudden it was the same guy in every picture. And the letter wrote... Yes, by now you know my name is John, not Joanna. And I'm a 19-year-old kid. I'm in love with you. And you probably don't you know, feel the same way, but I, if I can't have you, I don't want to live. I did some things that now I know not to do. Like you never egg on someone like that, or you never try and talk to them and encourage them um, because that just encourages their fantasy and they just get more into it and it gets deeper. But um, he sent me his number and I actually called his, this person. And I said, listen, I don't want anybody killing himself on my account. I'm a Christian guy. Um, I'm, I'm in love with this woman. I'm going to get married. I said, so that's not going to work. I said, but you know what? You're a young guy. You'll find somebody that loves you dearly and you'll forget about me in five years. I won't even exist to you. I said, you're young. Well, that was a mistake because then I get a box of this person's personal effects just, I mean, everything that said he meant anything to him, he sends it to Samuel Golden to my house. And um, he's saying, I'm going to kill myself. About three days later, there's a knock on my door. And I live up in these in the hills away from everybody. And my friend went to the door, opened the door, and it was that guy. He asked, was I there? And I said, I told him, no, no, tell him I'm not here. So he turned around and left. And at that point, I was freaked out, thinking, okay. This guy is going to come get me in the middle of the night. Who knows? Doesn't matter how big I am. He's insane. So I had to call the FBI and they got the stalking unit uh, out there and um, finally dissuaded this person from messing with me. But it just goes to show how twisted some fans get in their minds. They see you on TV and they believe you're that person so deeply. And if they're broken inside or hurting inside, they connect somewhere with you. And um, it can be really, really uh, sad sometimes because it's happened to me five times where I've had to deal with situations like that over the years. It was a bit scary. So that's that's kind of the darker side of fame that a lot of people don't really talk about. But that happens when you you know get to be notable. I was pretty humbled that Darren opened up about this really raw, personal, frightening story for him. I mean, especially again, if if you think of Darren as Malibu, this huge, courageous gladiator hero and then there's this real authentic scary situation happening for him in the real world uh total total opposites of what's what you see and what's happening right and you you don't always know what a person is capable of particularly when an obsession is involved and you know clearly this is someone who is struggling with some emotional instability um, and perhaps other issues that were going on and i i appreciated that he tried to be very authentic and say Hey, you're going to get over this. You're going to find somebody. I'm not that person for you. Like he I felt like he really tried to do the right thing in the right ways, but as he mentioned, sometimes that's that's not going to be enough for somebody who 
um, who's been propelled by some obsession. And yeah. I just like that he brings it back to this idea that, you know, people feel pain and that is a hard thing to struggle with. And he doesn't want anyone to feel that way and wants to help people. So I just, it, it I felt like he took what could have been a very, very, very dark story and really kind of spun it in a way that was, um, I think, inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of dark. Yes, great segue. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Ben, you were excited to talk to Darren about this. So set this one up for us. Totally. So as he talked about, American Gladiators was really like a launch pad for a lot of his career. And now as IMDb, over, you know, over 50 properties that he's been in. But after, you know, parallel to American Gladiators, he had Conan the Barbarian going on the stage show at Universal. Uh, but then he got he landed so many gigs. And of course, with 80s high, when I saw that he was cast as Las Vegas Muscle Man and Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, <laughs> I had to hear about that. And for anyone who doesn't know the property, Elvira was sort of this just beautiful, gothic, sort of heavy metal rock and roller star played by Cassandra Peterson back in the 80s. And she would she would host like horror movie watch fests. So she was also this sort of very attractive and alluring, dark horror sort of personality, but also so funny and so lighthearted. She was an icon. And so when he got to work with Elvira, we had to hear what his story was like. And, and he, had, he had some great lasting memories at that time. This is a really hilarious story. Okay. So again, I was reading a trade paper and I see we're looking for exotic dancers for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I loved Elvira. I used to watch that show. I'm going, oh my gosh. So they want Chippendale guys there. I go, I'm, I'm a shoe in for this, right? So I go in there and there was to be 150 dancers there. But when they said exotic, they wanted exotic looking, but professional dancers, like video, like top notch MTV video trained dancers, right? So the choreographer starts, she does this, you know, quick pattern and you got to do this, blah, 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 hip ball chain, spin this way. And um, I didn't know half the terms she was talking about, but all of a sudden everybody's doing it in unison except for me. Oh no. They're zigging. I'm zagging, they're going up, I'm going down. And then I start laughing because I'm so bad. And so I, I'm howling and then all of a sudden they dismiss half the people, but I'm still there. I'm going, okay, how can they not see long blonde hair, six foot four white guy making an idiot out of himself? So, okay. So he does another, another routine, a little more difficult. I'm right there looking even worse because there's... <laughs> There's more people, I mean, less people, and I'm more visible. And I was, again, terrible. They cut it down again. I'm still there. I'm going, okay, what is this? So we did it again. And the more complicated the routines got, the worse I got, and the more I was laughing at myself. I mean, I couldn't stop. <laughs> and so finally, it gets down to, you know, me, and they say, you're, you're the guy. I go, what do you mean I'm the guy? I said, I suck. And they're laughing because, you know what, you're having so much fun out there that we picked you just because of the fact that you didn't take yourself serious and you're having a ball. And so I, I booked the show that way. And I was like yeah, laughing. Go, you're serious. And they go, yeah. So anyways, um, meeting Cassandra Peterson, she was an amazing person. I mean, super nice, um, very friendly, easy to talk to. And oh, my gosh, so sexy. You know what made her that much more sexy was that she was so nice and friendly, you know, cause I've, I've met a lot of stunning women that were just ugly because of their personalities. If that makes sense. Um, and that's sad. That's sad to me. I mean, if, if God gives you a gift of beauty, you just got to realize that's a gift and be thankful. But anyways, she was great and we had a ball together. 
I was so amazed that he went up against all of these professional dancers and he got the part just because he was having a ball. He was having fun. He wasn't taking himself seriously. And that's kind of what he said, too, about him, his American Gladiators role. Like, he didn't want to overdo it and take it seriously. He wanted to be the guy who's having fun. Darren's personality shines through again, and it landed him this gig. How cool. It's definitely like a thematic thread that came through in our whole interview of like, he just keeps putting positivity out there. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's there to help others. He's there to have a good time. And that always seems to just keep paying off for him, which is like a great lesson. I love it. And just so cool that he got to, he got to work with Elvira. But, you know, it didn't stop there. You know me very well. What is, what is my number one favorite IP property of all time? This is going to be a tough one. Let me think about this for eight hours. Jurassic Park. Very good. We talked about it on a previous podcast episode. I got a Christmas gift related to it. My number two favorite property is an 80s property, and that is... Ghostbusters. Very good. But my number three favorite property of all time, IP comics, TV show, movies, is Batman. Batman series. And when we looked at his history... First of all, there's a great interview with him on Sports Illustrated about the injury we talked about. And throughout the whole interview, he's wearing a Batman logo (laughs) t-shirt. But in IMDb, he is both cast as a thug for Harvey Dent in 1995's Batman Forever. And then he's recast as another thug for Mr. Freeze, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, in 1997's Batman and Robin. Two Batman movies and a thug in both. I don't know if he beat up Batman and Robin. I don't know if he got his butt kicked. I don't know. But we had to ask him about what it was like to be a part of the Batman franchise. True story. When I was eight years old, I used to watch that Adam West Batman show. Huge fan. Didn't realize it was a campy joke, but I, to me, it was that was Batman. So when one day when the teacher was asking us, you know, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Johnny's going, I want to be a... F- I want to be a fireman. Oh, Susie, I want to be a veterinarian. I want to be a race car driver. What do you want to be, Darren? I go, I want to be Batman. <laughs> no, 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 Darren. You, you, you got to pick a real... I said, no, I really want to be Batman. Okay. Need to call his parents, have a little discussion with them about that. But no. Anyway, so I, I, I had it on my mind ever since I was a kid. It was like, I love superhero stuff. I would love to play a character like that. And um, through, I think healthy living and positive lifestyle and, and setting my goals, I was able to achieve a, like a dream of mine when I was eight years old that, that I ended up being on this Batman show, the two Batman movies. And what an amazing experience that was. I actually have to take my hat off to the director, Joel Schumacher, who's mm-hmm. passed away recently. I auditioned for him several years before that. And uh, for some reason, he just, he, he liked me. And uh, we talked a bit. He put me in that movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Here's another kind of crazy story. I, when I was in that show, they had this great scene where within the movie, there was a commercial filming and Robert Duvall was running across the pier. He ran across the beach and interrupted this commercial filming where I was there holding up a Subaru car with my hands <laughs> and there's this beach babes all around me, right? We're all in like neon pink swimsuits and stuff. And um, you're like, yeah, I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing? Man, we're filming. Get off the set. And he takes off running. Well, it cut all that. And so it ends up that at the end of the movie, all I am is standing there like an extra in a pink Speedo. And I've had so many people going, Darren, 
you must have really been hurting for work to be an extra <laughs> wearing a pink speedo for falling down. Like, no, man, I have a real legitimate part. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how it started. And then after that, I, I was given the two roles on Batman from Dill Schumacher. And so, uh, again, I'm super thankful for that. And great, great experience. A lot of fun. And the great thing about this, too, is we got that bonus story about the movie Falling Down, which I've seen. Have you seen Falling Down, by the way? Totally, totally. Uh, yeah. I've seen that movie a ton. And I, you know, as soon as he mentioned that, I was like, wait, I seem to remember some tall surfer dude looking guy in it at that end scene that he's talking about. And I just love that he's like, I wasn't hard up for a, an extra gig. I had a real role. They just took it out of the movie. <laughs> it wasn't me just no. trying to get on camera any way I could. I thought that was hilarious. And I was kind of bummed. When I, you know, we ran out of time, but I wanted to ask him if he felt that he was more of a Two-Face thug or a Mr. Freeze thug. But after we've gotten to meet him, I mean... I want to use the term henchman. I don't like the fact that they use the word thug. thug sounds bad, it, right? It's just, it's, it has IMDb. gross connotation. I know. I, I'm going to lobby IMDb. I'm going, I'm, I'm henchman. going henchman. after person? them. Should, should we be even more uh, inclusive? I mean, he's a dude. He's Maybe. a dude's dude. So we can call him yeah. a henchman. But yeah. But, you know, the more we learned about him, you know, Darren is like a very authentic uh, guy. So I feel like Two-Face is not authentic to him. And Mr. Freeze often... Is, you know, out to just have a good time and drop a bunch of puns. And that seems like very Malibu, even though it's, you know, beach versus snow. And they also share an acting credit, if you will. They both played Conan the Barbarian. That's right. Yeah. So his other huge movie acting credit, which I could have spent an entire podcast asking about because I had so many questions. You and I both like playing video games. Were you ever a, a fighting game player? Did you like fighting game, combat games? Ben, I don't want to even attempt to total the number of dollars I have wasted on fighting games throughout oh, really? my entire life. It started with Street Fighter 2. Oh, so good. And I was big into Mortal Kombat. Definitely one, two, three for sure. We'll get into it, but just it's important to know. It's important for the podcast. Our listeners are going to write in and ask, who's your character in Mortal Kombat? Raiden. All the way. Oh, Raiden. Well, because you had that down-up move that you could just teleport. It was so cheap. Or back forward and you could fly through the air. You could shoot lightning. You could fly. You could teleport. You could electrocute. Why would you not want to? He's a god. Why would you not want to be <laughs> Raiden? And everyone liked Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And I was like, ugh. I was going to say cookie I'm a, cutter, I'm, chocolate, I'm a, and vanilla I'm a Sub Zero guy. I do like Sub Zero. It's yeah. pretty cool. Come on, the ice it's, is it's sweet. very telling. It's very telling. Well, <laughs> we wanted to try and be in Mortal Kombat by playing the characters, but Darren actually was in Mortal Kombat, so he, he and not just to, any character, Ben. No, so he starred in the sequel. So there's Mortal Kombat, and there's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and he wasn't just like uh, what what was the word you used? Henchman number seventeen, right. who gets beaten up in the background. He plays Motaro, yeah. which for those who didn't play the video game, most of the characters in the video game are human or some form of human that fight. Uh, Motaro is a centaur. Half horse, half man. And so Darren played this half horse, half man in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and we just had to ask what that experience was like. That character was by far the most expensive character to shoot because... I mean, even now that it's not such a big deal, but then the CGI work, the computer-generated graphic animation was state-of-the-art. So every minute I was on screen was like a million dollars because they'd never 
melded together like they've never put CGI and live action and put them together before. That was a first. So to be chosen to play that character, who was a, um, I guess you call him a centaur, kind of a centaur, half man, half horse. The makeup was amazing. It was probably four to five hours a day to put it on. It wasn't uncomfortable to wear, but it was extremely uncomfortable in the fact that I could not sit or lay down because the makeup would rub off on everything and then prosthetics on my elbows could get you know wrecked. So I literally had to be moving constantly or standing static for close to 18 hours a day. So that got a little challenging. And of course, we were in Thailand, so we're talking 100 degree you know, plus heat sometimes. And the weird thing was that those horns, they had them kind of like spring-loaded where you put them on your head and they stayed tight to my to temples were giving me these wicked migraines. It, it, just imagine if someone had a vice and they were twisting it in your temples and then they, they notch it right up and ratchet it and then it's right there where you can feel your temples thumping and, and you just have to leave it like that. And I'm not, I'm not complaining, honestly. It was just, those were two small, you know, concessions that I had to make. Um, I had a ball doing it though. I mean, just the experience was incredible. The places we were at were incredible. And um, the people were just so much fun to work with. So it was an, it was a magical time for me, for sure. So it sounds like you had a great time. You know, despite the hot weather, despite these horns drilling into his head, causing migraines, this guy's clearly no stranger to pain, right? He's taken his hits. So in the big scene, Motaro faces off against Jax, who's his character is. He's like bionic arms, right? Did you know Jax was played by another former American gladiator. Wait, really? Yes. That's a cool find. We didn't know this at the time, or we would have brought it up with Darren, but I was looking on something, uh, like a a website, and it said that Lynn Red Johnson played Jax, and he was former American gladiator Saber. Oh, that's awesome. So they weren't on the show at the same time. He came in at a later season, but I thought it was kind of cool that they happened to be the two that face off in this movie. Well, and we always say, you know, the gladiators were on the same team, but finally, you know, they, right. they've turned them against one another. <laughs> That's right. In this movie. Uh, well, and also I thought it was amazing. I mean, a million dollars a minute, was it? Yeah. For every minute he was on screen with like the, because there are some shots where you don't see his whole body. So they, you know, they kind of use a little right. movie making magic to fake it. But every time he's got like the full centaur body, he said every minute yeah. was a million dollars. Early CG years. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. And then Ben had a funny question for him. Well, it's just kind of a throwaway because he was talking about, you know, being a half man, half horse. And I was just like, uh, well, you know, at least Hollywood was so advanced that, you know, there wasn't some guy in the back half of the horse costume playing it. And he was like, actually, that's not true. There yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So he had this to, to follow up with. Wait a minute. So, so there actually was. What? Um, what? <laughs> for several of the three quarter shot scenes, okay, imagine, okay, so man, instead of shooting me straight on, say you're shooting me at a 45 degree angle, you can see me up to the butt end of the horse. So they actually had a guy on a couple of times who had to pull, he had these straps around my waist and he pulled his head literally right between my butt cheeks. <laughs> and, uh, I kid you not, we went to Amsterdam and the guy who's involved with this motion capture photography had to teach us how to walk like an animal would walk, you know, because animals don't walk straight forward like humans. You know what I mean? So one, when one leg would go forward, the other would go back and the other day would go forward, the other one would go. It was just weird. So we spent three weeks with this guy's head up my rear end <laughs> and, and, and filming. And uh, 
he got he got so tired halfway through the filming of of you know having to deal with my protein farts. Pardon my French. <laughs> he really cool. he just goes, I can't take it. <laughs> he walked away, and uh, and they hired this other guy. Oddly enough, this this uh, Thai kid named Hollywood of all things, and he stepped in, and he was he was a blast. He just had a great time. So. Um, just funny stuff that happens that, you know, you, the people don't realize that go on. You know what I mean? It's on set. It's just funny. I thought that was hilarious. And perhaps the most disturbing thing is when he used the term protein farts. I don't know why that haunts me to this day. Yeah, I guess those protein shakes to be muscular, that kind of does that to your body. But like, what a trooper, the back half of the horse to go through that. And that, the first guy quit. He's like, the, yeah, the first guy's like, see you later. Amazing. Someone else is like, you know, it's 105 degrees out here. I'll climb in that horse costume. I'm, Literally I'm Hollywood that. stepped in. The kid's name was Hollywood. Oh, yeah, he was a trooper. Right. I thought that was hilarious. I loved that. That was super awesome. But one of the next properties we got into was really close and dear to your heart. Oh, that my gosh. got him to talk about. You know, when Ben first said, hey, we got Malibu from American Gladiators for the show. Of course, went to see what are all the things he starred in. And to my surprise, I was like, oh my goodness, he was in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is one of my favorite shows. I love it. I've watched it a ton of times. And as soon as I saw he was in there, I was like, I know exactly, exactly what episode he's in. Because there's this great scene where Larry's just driving in his car and there's these kids in a station wagon and they're like waving at each other. And soon they're like playing a little game of shoot him up. Like the kids are pretending to like finger gun shoot at Larry and he's dodging and doing it back. And then at some point a kid's like says something to the driver and it slams on the brakes, door opens and you just see this boot come out. <laughs> and then six foot four muscle man gets out of this van and proceeds to just lay into Larry in the funniest way possible. And it's freaking Darren McBee. He plays a small part, but he leaves such a big lasting remark. And I couldn't get away without asking him about this role. And here's what he said. Okay. So I'll tell you of, of my whole acting career, that's probably one of the most fun things I ever did. And I'm most proud of that because when they called me to interview, they basically said, okay, we want you to did this whole scene out. You know, he's playing shoot him up with my kids. And one of the kids says, Hey, he's, he's shooting at us and you get out of the car and you, you're going to go yell at him. So I said, okay. And, we, and he said, we really want you to cuss him out. Every foul word you could possibly use, you just rip into him. And I'm saying, okay, fine. So in my mind's eye thinking, all right, when you've got kids around, you don't say the kind of words you would normally say. So I'm thinking, man, instead of saying, I'm going to kick your A, it's like, I'm going to body slam you so hard you poop your bald pants. So it was this ripping diatribe of this most silly, ridiculous, non-curse words, but, but still cursing him out using these ridiculous phrases that honestly, uh, up until that time, he kept breaking character and laughing. So we had to cut and shoot it again. And the second time I broke him, an assistant director came up to me and said, Darren, he said, this has never, ever happened since we filmed the show. No one has ever broke him. No one's ever made him laugh before. You were the first person that's ever done that. I said, really? He goes, no, you don't understand. He said, he's howling, laughing, and he's, we've never seen him crack a smile, which is true because he's, he's really kind of a uh, into himself character and he's not overly friendly. But yeah, I took about four takes and every time and he just, he just starts spitting on himself laughing. I thought, okay, I just hit the home run here with this guy. So two things. I thought it was great that this is one of the roles he was most proud of. And that he created this entire rant. And more importantly, he made Larry David break character. 
No, that's what blew my mind. It's like Larry David is a legend in comedy. Huge alpha comedians have already thought of every joke you're going to think of. They, right. And it's so hard to crack them. I, but you know when I think of like um, Seinfeld's comedians and cars getting coffee or whatever, yeah, the comedians are really sometimes the only ones who can make each other laugh because they right. just understand it on a different level. Right. To have Darren crack Larry David blows my mind. That's awesome. Yeah, because that show is so many like amazing comedians who are just so funny, and then you have this person come in from the side and just throw a curveball. I think sometimes those are the most joyful, right? Like the people you don't expect to be funny, they come in and they say something hilarious and it just steals the scene so oh, good yeah. and it's that continuing thread of darren putting out this sort of positivity into the world he puts out this good karma whether it's, it comes back to him by getting a new gig or making larry david laugh right it works out for him and he actually um you know he talked about that he is very cognizant and humble about the good that has come his way in his life and uh, he had he had a little bit to say about that yeah, he had this really great story about his mother and her influence and how that really, really helped shape how he treats people and sees the world and approaches life. And it was a very touching story. And he just talks about, you know, a lot of the gifts and blessings of being able to be who he is. And so we wanted to, to share that message right now. I like the word you use, blessing, because I, I really am thankful to God for opening up doors in my life and giving me opportunities like that, man. I, I don't. I never take those things for granted because they are blessings for me that, you know, I've been given certain gifts and abilities and, uh, I'm very thankful for that. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then, uh, then things just started taking off uh, from there as far as my acting and everything. And I think it's important, you know, um, my mom was one of the kindest, most generous giving people I've ever met. And I watched her live a life. She didn't have a lot of money, but she had a servant's heart. And I watched how people's lives were touched just by her, just by her smile and a genuine desire to care for people and the gracious way she was um, when she handled herself at business. She's a hairstylist and actually worked with her on the Batman Forever movie. She was a hairstylist when I was, it was awesome. So she just instilled in me the desire where people, would people miss out on, on happiness or, or joy. They think if I buy this next car, or I get this house, or if I'm famous, or I have this much money, or I marry the right girl, the best designer drug, that's going to fulfill that void in my life. And um, there is a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal who said that nobody can fill the God-shaped void in your heart but God. And I really believe that. I really believe that. And so to have a heart that serves others, that fulfills my life. That's what really gives me the best fulfillment and joy that I could possibly tell you about. It's just awesome. So I know we've all had like just hopefully at least a handful of lovely, beautiful bonding moments with our parents. Um, how jealous are you when you found out that his mom was doing hair with him on Batman? That was such a great tidbit. I mean, what a treat to be able to work with. I mean, clearly she's an inspiration to him. And then to be on this, first off, he wanted to be Batman. He told us that already. But he got to be in two Batman movies. But he didn't get some work with his mom, who he just so looks up to. Yeah, what a treat. But, you know, like we said, the, the, the big boo, the Malibu train does not stop there. He keeps riding the wave of opportunity. And he's still got a lot going on today. Uh, so we asked him, what's what's going on for you in 2021 and beyond? Tell us what's shaking. I don't know when the man sleeps, but he's got a lot going on. A couple of things. Uh, one, I think we talked briefly about it. I can't really mention, but just tell people to be prepared for something really huge coming up regarding the gladiators. It's going to be awesome and I'll uh, be a great part of it. 
Um, I am a drug and alcohol counselor now. I actually do a lot of counseling with people that have been addicted and are in recovery from drug and alcohol abuse because I myself, after breaking my back twice, crushing my hip, got addicted to Oxycontin. That took me down one of the darkest paths that I could imagine. If anything can be called demonic and evil, that's, that's something. And, and I, you know, I feel for anybody who has gone through or is going through an addiction of any kind. So I decided to use um, the platform that God has given me mm-hmm. to do a podcast where I've been doing it now for about a year. It's called The Issues of Life, and um, it's just basically about the issues of life, but a lot of times I've been focusing on drug addiction and recovery, and I'll have these amazing people on that have these fantastic stories of you know, their addiction and how they've gotten through the process and where they were at, and incredible stories and, and inspiring stories, and that's what I want. I want to inspire people to you know, realize that you know, if you're going through something, you can get through it, and also to raise awareness for people who look at others and say, oh, he's just a dumb drunk or drug addict. You don't know. You know, you don't know what someone's gone through to get through where they're at. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a really big, important part of my life. Um, I still speak in schools and um, different functions. I was invited to at churches. And so that's kind of the direction my life is at right now. As far as the acting thing, I've been asked to uh, kind of get back into Hollywood because now it's a really actually a a golden time for me. My age is perfect for the characters they want. So been doing a lot of praying about that and seeing where I feel like I'm being led by God to make those right decisions. But at this moment in time, that's kind of what I'm doing. And I'm super happy. I mean, this is probably one of the best places in my life that I've been as far as peace and, and feeling thankful and joyful and focused on the future. So first of all, it drives me nuts that I, I think I have a guess as to what big thing might be coming. I don't really know, but I feel like I have an educated guess. So I have to sit on that guess forever. Oh, hold on. Here's my guess. Pop-up gladiators. You're just walking down the street and all of a sudden you're challenged to a gladiator duel. Like some beefcake just runs up, like sidelines you. And then all of a sudden you have to do attack or what is it? Breakthrough and conquer. That I love that. That's awesome. It's like a flash mob, but it's a, a flash mob of... Gladiator challenges. Ah, that's so Do you think so that's good. it? Is that good? No, I'll I'll show my hand. I honestly thought it was going to be Hallmark was going to do like a series of greeting cards that were gladiators. So like it's, it makes you happy. It makes you glad to get a card. It's like a gladiator, like like the cat hanging from the branch, like hang in there. Okay, that is hilarious. But I have to tell you, as soon as you said Hallmark in my head, I thought Hallmark Channel. And then I thought they were going to make a... Like Christmas Hallmark movies about the gladiators? Like some dram- dramatization of... American gladiators. A big city gladiator comes back to the small town to fall in love and save the town. It's going to happen. Exactly. So I'm glad he's got a big, exciting project coming that uh, he can't talk about yet, but that must mean it's a really big deal. So that's cool. That's great. Uh, And also, you know, I love when he said that, you know, at his age and his physique, he's at a very different time in his acting career where he's great for roles. And it also made me think of, uh, is it Mickey Rourke who did The Wrestler? Yeah. I feel like he is ripe for that sort of like storytelling of like the weathered hero who's seen it all 
and like comes back for, you know, one more mission or to like to tell the story kind of thing. You know what I almost wanted to say when we were talking to him that he could be in Expendables 3. Oh, for sure. I was like, that's that's Easily. the next big break. Like he's in that perfect spot to be in like Expendables 3. Easily. Oh, he'd be great in Expendables for sure. Which also I think has Mickey Rourke in it. He's the tattoo guy. Uh, Yeah, that's true. I loved it. I, and I agree. Hire this guy now. If every if you've listened to this podcast this far, you know that he's a joy to work with. You want him on your set. If nothing else, you're going to have a great time with him for hanging sure. around. That's for, for sure. sure. The last thing I did want to say is he mentioned his podcast, The Issues of Life, and that is available on Stitcher. And I just wanted to clarify because I went to look this up and see if it was available anywhere else. And there is a Spotify podcast called Issues of Life colon The Podcast. Not the same thing. So just to clarify, Stitcher, The Issues of Life with Darren Malibu McBee. Check it out. I love it. That's great. I saw a janitor just walk by the door. So I think they're getting ready to lock up in here. I yeah, think he was might... singing Closing Time, too, which was really strange. <laughs> I think they're getting ready to shut the lights off. I think we got to get out yeah, of here. Ben, we don't have to go home, but we can't but stay we here. We cannot stay here. <laughs> Or else there'll be a pop-up gladiator waiting for us in the hallway to beat the crap out of us. I was terrible at gym class, so let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> Everyone, thanks so much for sticking around after school with us. Chit-chatting with Darren McBee, Malibu from American Gladiators. So much fun. We'll catch you next time on 80s High. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical! Stay radical!